It's like Christmas morning, Josh Helmer. It's like Christmas morning. Welcome into the Plank Show. It is draft day. Actually, you know what? I'll be honest with you, dude. My favorite show was today on draft day because many, many moons ago, we would do a mock draft. And basically, we would have listeners pick for a team. Every every listener that wanted had a G, was a GM of a team. It usually worked out fairly well. Actually, you know what? You know how far back the old uh, Big Show mock draft goes back, Josh Helmer? It goes back to the Big O Show mock draft. Jerry Ostrowski. We did it on site, and GMs could come out and get the headset and make their picks on site. And then it became like a well-oiled machine. So Thursday was always like a layup day. Or, you know, what back in back in my day was the Friday before the first round, which was Saturday. And then, what, first three rounds on Saturday and then everything else was on Sunday. If I'm remembering correctly, maybe. Oh, I, maybe it moved into primetime on Thursday night. That's what they did. Uh, anyway, point being, my favorite show usually just from a selfish perspective, is the Friday show or the the Monday show to recap the whole thing. Because I don't know how you feel as we welcome you into the Plank Show on this overcast, kind of dreary Thursday. Looks like it's going to burn off here in just a bit. It's going to be a gorgeous day. We'll see. That's my weather forecast. But I tell you something, dude. I am – I love the lead-up to the draft. I dig all the mock drafts. I love it all. But I I think I'm getting a little bit too much, right? It's like, okay, how does this guy – why is CBS Sports showing me this guy? What the heck does this dude know, right? And suddenly there's just content everywhere. So you got to pick and choose who you buy into and who you don't. So it's almost as if the day before the draft, the the night before the draft, whatever it might be, has almost become – too consuming day of the draft as well right because there's so much that you can and by the time you get to the draft you're like all right let can can we just get this first round over let's go so I kind of dig that day after the draft now Josh because no one gets their predictions right I mean mock drafts are the same hit percentage as actual first round picks that are successful like oh yeah you got you know 50 percent of your picks right good job yeah Got the right spot, got the right team. But I'm digging the re- – so I'm not saying my energy is any different for this year's draft. I just think from my perspective, I'm looking at it a little bit different, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not – I love the hype. I love talking about the guys. Nick Benito's story has been everywhere over the last few days, and we'll play some of it from – what was that? The uh, uh, It was either ESPN or the NFL Network that kind of went – not kind of, but went completely behind the scenes on the process with Benito. So that's awesome. Um, but I'm, I, it's like, a th- I know, let's go, let's get this draft going. I'm all about now the recap and the reaction to it. Does Josh Helmer, that make me a bad person? No, I think that makes you a, a logical person. There's so many mock drafters anymore. I mean, obviously you've got your Mel Kuypers and, Todd McShay's of the world that have the ESPN platform, and that's what they do. That, that's what they do year-round is think about, talk about the NFL draft, who the top prospects are, and one after another. Mock draft, mock draft, mock draft. We've got their final mock drafts. But 
beyond just those two, I mean, everybody's got a mock draft. Yeah, I do, for goodness sakes. And so tonight's the night, and we'll see how it plays out. A lot of the speculation leading up to it, I mean, occasionally somebody kind of has an inkling that a team might be looking to move up, but a lot of times we we don't really know. And so, yeah, the reaction piece tomorrow, seeing how it unfolds tonight in real time and then reacting to it tomorrow is more fun for me than the build-up to and the mock drafting that has been. So I've got a question, and and I, I've thought about this a lot because I I feel like it's very much an unknown, and I'm not just talking about what happens at number one. Who do you think is the best player in this draft? And maybe I should refine that because who do you think is going to end up being the best pro out of this draft tonight? If you could pick one guy that you would say from. This year's draft, that you're like, oh, yeah, this dude's going to be a stud. Who's that guy for you? I, I don't know that I have a clear-cut guy in this draft. I mean, Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau are, in my opinion, pretty close. A lot of people really like Sauce Gardner. You couldn't go wrong with either of the two offensive tackles. Kyle Hamilton, some people, I've seen some of the top 150 Draft prospects lists out there, and Kyle Hamilton's atop the board. I don't know. You know, without there being the clear-cut, can't-miss quarterback-type prospect, I think it's hard to look at this draft and say, okay, this is the clear-cut best prospect in the draft. It was supposed to be Thibodeau, right? right? Two months, three months ago. And then for whatever reason, if it's his interest in playing the game of football, if it's as simple as that or if it's something else – He's kind of slid out of that clear-cut, can't-miss top spot. So, I don't know. For me, I'm not sure that there is just one guy that I feel like is the absolute can't-miss best prospect in this draft. Do you feel differently? I do. But, again, I'm, I'm a homer for who I will call Calvin Thibodeau at least twice during this show. Kayvon Thibodeau. But I would, I would even throw another name out there that in – Here's how I have the question worded right now. I'm kind of struggling with it. Um, who is going to be the best player out of this draft? If you had one guy you felt would absolutely have a great NFL career, who would it be? Is that a fair way to put that? Because there's also a part of me that says, think of it this way. When we look back at this draft five years from now, and let's just, for what argument's sakes, let's go back to the 2017 NFL draft which I think we were kind of joking about yesterday, right? How, how crazy it is that Miles Garrett went number one in the same draft where a Patrick Mahomes went, and even though I'm sure the Browns would love to have Patrick Mahomes, we don't get too carried away, right? Miles Garrett, whenever he's on the field, has been fantastic. But if you could look back five years, you would say, I mean, even at 10, at 10, Mahomes was an absolute steal. <laughs> um you, you would look down that list and you would probably talk about what um, Dalvin Cook being a second rounder in the career that he's had. Joe Mixon and what he's been able to do at Cincinnati, being part of a team that went to the Super Bowl. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Josh, was a third rounder in 2017. So I guess I think of it from this perspective because I think when we look back at the draft in 2020. 
four, three, four, five, six, seven. Math is hard. I think we're going to say for where he was drafted, Jordan Davis is an absolute stud. And, you know, it's funny. We look back at 17 and Mahomes went 10, which I think you could find many who thought that was too high for Mahomes to go. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Right. But I, I, I think Jordan Davis, dude, I think he is just an absolute beast. And I think I've kind of noted that in my mock draft, which is up at sportstalk1400.com right now. And I, I might add thanks to Tyler for the cool graphic this morning that shows where we're kind of projecting potential landing spots for the Oklahoma guys. But I like Jordan Davis so much, I think there's a chance he ends up going in the top ten, if not the top eight, if not the top five. I mean, I'm telling you what, there's always been these thoughts as we've led up to today and as we've led up to tonight and as, you know, we'll recap it all tomorrow. There's been these thoughts that we're going to be shocked by what happens. Right, Josh? That's what we – oh, man, Peter King has written about it back-to-back weeks. And it's fascinating. Remember my caveat? Big Peter King fan out of season. Don't really know why. I don't read him much in season. Makes no sense. But huge fan. I'm a major mark. P1 during the uh, offseason for Peter King. And he's said it every week, dude. Every week. We have no idea what's going on. Now, I know that some of you would say, why call yourself an insider then? It's everybody. It's not just one or two dudes. It's Everybody. They have no idea which direction this is going to go. So when you have a guy that has that, as Bill Self used to say, upside tremendous with Jordan Davis, and as part of what looks to be an historic group of Georgia defenders that will go in the first couple of rounds, I think when we look back in five years, we're going to talk about how Jordan Davis was underdrafted. So – Maybe that's two different conversations, or underdrafted, excuse me. Maybe that's two different conversations, but in that, I, I think he, he's the one guy that I would take my chances with out of this draft. And that's not sexy because it's a defensive tackle, but it wouldn't have been if you took you know, Aaron Donald four years ago in, in the first round of the draft, or five or six whenever he went. So I, I love me some Jordan Davis tonight, Josh. You know who I like that's going to be a little further down the board? Go ahead. Traylon Burks. And I'm looking at Daniel Jeremiah's top 150 prospects. He's got him at 19. And he he's describing him as having A.J. Brown-type upside. Right. But, you know, watching Traylon Burks, he, to me, is very Debo Samuel-ish. He can do a lot of different things. He's not just a wide receiver. If you wanted to have him run the football, you could line him up in the backfield and he could do that. So, to me, I think that that's someone a little bit further down the first-round board. And there, there's some out there that think he can be a top-ten pick tonight. We'll see. But, to me, he's somebody that we could be looking back in four or five years and saying, okay, that is a superstar that went a little bit later than probably he should have. Huh. I'm intrigued. We'll have to go a little bit deeper. Um, this is a big night, man. This is a fun night. And – I know then that natural progression is, what about some of the local guys? And obviously, we're the home of Sooner fans. So we would start with what happens with the five. We talked about it at length yesterday. And I actually, I found a mock draft that had, did I say five? The six that we think are going to get drafted in Perrion Winfrey, Nick Benito, Brian Osamoa, Marquise Hayes, Isaiah Thomas, and Kennedy Brooks. Those are the six that we think are going to get drafted. 
Um, there's a chance that Tyrese Robinson, I think, gets picked. Though uh, a couple of guys that I talked to that that were with him this week and said he was really positive and upbeat about uh, maybe even as high as the fifth round with this move back inside the guard and how teams have viewed it. So, I, I mean, I could be way off with a guy like Tyrese Robinson. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I found a mock draft that had Gabe Burkich getting drafted. So maybe I have to add like an eighth sooner that could go this weekend. But <laughs> Chad Reuter, by the way, who is the – he's the guy at the NFL Network that always does seven-round mock drafts. Also, in one of his final mocks before the Drew Locke year, did have Drew Locke going with like the fifth pick in the first round. So you can take that for what it's worth when Locke eventually went, what, in the third round when he was yeah. taken? Yeah, that's a little bit of a swing and a miss. Hey, can I cycle back to something you sure. mentioned a second ago? Absolutely. So Peter King thinks that there's a chance for this big surprise at one. Right. What would that be? Would it be Sauce Gardner? Would it be Kyle Hamilton? What would be shocking at one? One of the offensive tackles? Is he saying that it's sort of – widely believed that Jacksonville's going edge rusher, number one. I mean, like, what would be shocking? You know, let's get into that. A quarterback. Next. I mean, I, let's get into quarterback that. would really be pretty shocking. And, and let's be clear, too. The view isn't just the top overall pick. It's the entire draft as a whole, the entire first round. Either teams have done a really good job of, of, of hiding their hands, so to speak, or – Information has been just so chaotic with what you're buying and what you're not buying. It's just been a tough, tough spot, I think, for NFL peeps to get a handle or NFL media to get a handle on. It's not a knock on anyone. And Peter King has said pretty consistently, hey, this first round is going to be insane. And maybe even at the top. So what could be that surprise? Let's get into it next. Plus, interesting stuff today from Brian, or yesterday from Brian Gutenkist general manager of the Packers after a year ago essentially tonight Aaron Rodgers dropped an absolute bomb on everyone through Adam Schefter but yeah I I want to talk about let's talk about the top overall pick plus uh, softball off tonight rained out in Kansas City get you a little snapshot of the Jayhawks coming up later on in the program plus Joey Helmer at high noon to recap the spring game and look ahead to Cruton time right here on The Ref. With the first pick in the 2010 NFL Draft, the St. Louis Rams select Sam Bradford, quarterback, Oklahoma. That 2010 NFL Draft was a banger. I can't think of any other way to put it. It's funny because I just, if Sam could have stayed healthy, man, if that shoulder injury. And what do you have? Uh, he tore up his knee in St. Louis. Am I remembering this all correctly? History can be a little bit a little bit fuzzy. The shoulder was college. Yeah, and so he was going into it. And then, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Had a high ankle sprain. Missed a lot of the 2011 season. Gosh, sorry, I'm not trying to get too carried away here with Sam talk. But in 2010, 
he was an all-rookie team performer. He surpassed Peyton Manning's record for most completed passes by a rookie quarterback, finished with 354 completions out of 590 attempts. The man was cooking. And then that next season, they they rolled through the preseason, but when the regular season hit, he got hurt right away and was out for majority of the year. Six touchdowns, six picks. Team went one and nine without him for a two and fourteen record, and unfortunately, that was about it. ACL in twenty fourteen. Went to the Eagles. Never really a good fit there. Had some decent years with the Vikings. Anyway, I, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to wax nostalgically here on Sam, but I just think sometimes we don't we don't give him the credit that he deserves whenever we talk about dudes that. Dudes that had incredible careers. I think sometimes it gets lost in the mix of recency bias. That 08 Oklahoma team was oh, amazing. So good. I'm looking at the box score from the FedEx BCS National Championship game. Played on January 8th of 2009. Jermaine Gresham, Joaquin Iglesias, Manuel Johnson, Ryan Broyles, all in the receiving column. It's unreal. That is unreal. So good. And how about that draft then after Sam? 2010, you heard Roger Goodell announcing Sam that day. Indomitian Sue goes two, Gerald McCoy goes three, Trent Williams four, Eric Berry went five. He had a heck of a run. Russell Okung six, and Joe Hayden seven. Really, the only team that ruined the top ten were the dumb Raiders taking Rolando McClain. <laughs> yeah, that one didn't age as well. Bless their hearts. Anyway, great draft. Which, hey, that list I sent you this morning, what you think of that before we get to what could be the surprise at, at number one? Tonight and through tomorrow, there's a good chance that in Georgia-eligible draftees, you could have as many as, what, six? Seven. Walker, Davis, Wyatt, Dean, Corey Walker, Tinfall, and the, the safety, who I always want to say sign, and I think it's what's seen, but it might be, it's considered the last group of homegrown, one school, no portal stars who develop as a unit. I thought that was a pretty broad brush to, to paint that with. From Ivan Mazel, but I'm here to at least listen to it. I mean, Wyatt attended a junior college in that list. Devontae Wyatt, who I, I think is going in the first round tonight. But outside of that, that entire group was together from their freshman year. Or at least in varying stages of when they, they came on campus. No transfers in. Uh, none of them transferred out. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's being a little bit too dramatic because there is a Juco transfer in that mix, but I thought that was kind of a cool note heading into tonight. Yeah, it's an interesting narrative, and probably it's it's worth a discussion. There there could be an argument made for that. We'll have to see how the next however many years play out. I tend to think, you know, I'm trying to find this USA Today sports story from yesterday that was talking about Georgia in this first round and how Georgia could sort of morph itself into what Alabama has been in the NFL draft mm -hmm. over the past decade where this is 
Georgia essentially turns into a first-round draft factory. I look more toward that kind of storyline for Georgia versus is this the final hoorah of a, a team like Georgia in a group like this having this type of success in the draft because of the transfer portal, because of name, image, likeness, and how college football has changed. I kind of – and I when you sent me this story, my initial response to you was what? It was, you know, honestly – and maybe I'm crazy for saying this, but I think with top-end guys, mm-hmm. once a lot of this smoke settles here over this next calendar year and the next couple of calendar years, I kind of think we're going to see a little bit less movement from guys in the transfer portal with top-end talent outside of, okay, a quarterback comes in and he wants the chance to start. A lot of these guys, man, I mean, now that you're going to Texas A&M, and you've got your name, image, likeness deal coming in. You're paid right off the top. I, I think we're going to see that scale back a little bit. And I think that what we're going to see from Georgia in this draft, I don't see that going away. That's just me. Maybe I'm dead wrong on that. I don't think you're wrong. And I think sometimes I'm a sucker for, like, a good story. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's, look how amazing. That's incredible. You know, I think back, you mentioned the 2010 draft with Trigger. To, oh, that's never going to happen again. And you're like, well, I mean, it's, it is kind of rare, but they did win the national championship. And I, I, I do know that college football is all about copycats. So I, I think that even with erosion and the transfer portal, you can end up with guys who have been in your program for, you know, four years as the stars like Georgia had. But I, again, I'm with Josh. I don't think much is going to change on the top end guys. Well, and Georgia's going to continue – to attract top talent. The thing for them, and this is – I've said this about Oklahoma a lot. We've discussed this. The missing link for Oklahoma is what Georgia was finally able to do and break break their drought for a national championship. Oklahoma wins a title. Are you kidding me? The floodgates are – that damn wall is so close to breaking for the Sooners. I mean, it's been on the precipice now for the last – you know, ever since Baker Mayfield started at Oklahoma and got this thing turned back in that direction, the only missing link is winning a title. Talented players aren't going to stop going to Georgia. Okay, I have a question. You just completely – all right, we're going to table that debate about what could be the surprise in one for next segment, okay? Because you got me thinking about something and – I, I don't know if it's a topic. I don't know if it's something that you guys want to dive. My dogs are just attacking each other right now. I don't know if it's something that we want to dive into to open it up. Calls, I don't know if it's that important, Josh, which is why I've got to ask. Is it important for Perion Winfrey to go in the first round tonight outside of just what Perion can do uh, for himself and wanting to root for him? Because I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Remember it was... Kenneth Murray, number one, our first-round pick, such a big deal. This defense needed that to happen because you hadn't had a first-round guy since Gerald McCoy. I don't don't know if it's as important anymore because I then just turn my fingers and point to Brent Venables and go, watch the NFL on Sundays. I, I just turned to Todd Bates, watch the NFL on Sundays. Those are his guys that he trained that are playing defensive line and starting for the Cowboys, for the Raiders, for the – well, I mean, they're all Raiders, right? Because isn't that what Mike Mayock did, just went and get, get all the Clemson guys? They're all over the league with Clemson guys. So, 
we want Perrion to go in the first round because we want to see Perrion Winfrey get drafted. But doesn't it seem like the narrative has changed a bit to where last year's like, man, if we could just get a couple more of these defensive linemen to go in the first round and maybe IT can be that guy. Now anymore, Josh, I, I mean, am I crazy? I think with the reputation that Brent Venables brings and obviously the staff that he's brought with him, oh, that's coming. That's inevitable. We don't have to sell you on whether or not Perion is a first-rounder or K-9 was. And, again, no knock on them, but you know you're going to be getting first-round preparation from these guys. That's going to be something that we look back on. Can you believe 10 years Oklahoma went without a first-round NFL draft pick that was a defensive player? I mean, that is, for a program like Oklahoma, that's crazy that it could go that long without having – one defensive player drafted in the first round. I'm with you. Everything you said was exactly what I was going to respond with. I think it was more important. Perry on Winfrey going in the first round, if you still had Lincoln Riley as your head coach and you still had Alex Grinch as your defensive coordinator, it would be more important right now tonight for Perry on Winfrey to be a first round pick. If you still had the old regime, it's still important. You'd love to see Perry on Winfrey go in the first round. Then all of a sudden you're talking about, you've had two defensive players in the last three drafts go in the first round for Oklahoma that are defensive players. But look, the track record that Brent Venables has got and that Todd Bates has got, I'm not worried anymore about Oklahoma getting players into this program, molding and developing them into first-round draft picks on the defensive side of the football. That was a concern, though, for a long, long time around here. Mm. It is kind of wild, right? I mean, we'd be sitting here today really, really rooting. Like, Come on, Perrion, get in that first round. Get in that first round, Perrion Winfrey. Let's go. Now, it's – I mean, listen, you'll still be able to claim another first-round pick. But it's really more about just Perrion himself. Let's go. I mean, we want to see Perrion get picked in the first. We want to see Nick Benito get picked in the first round. I don't know if it could happen, but it's a possibility. But in this, we're not we're not thirsting for it like it's it's so necessary for the future of this program because you know what you've got in NFL talent evaluation. It's just a thought. I don't really know if there's much more to take from it or, or, or dive into it with Josh. But it does kind of show you how fascinating uh, that, that perspective is and how quickly it can change from, gosh, we need to get some first-round guys in the draft to basically saying, all right, we're going to be fine. We're going to be good. You know, I, I'll tell you, just going through here on Pro Football Reference, which is a great tool to go back and look through the history of really any programs, NFL draft picks, but obviously I'm looking at Oklahoma's. The – amount of first-round draft picks that Alabama has had since Nick Saban got over there is just mind-boggling. When you look at it and you think about what Oklahoma has been historically, and I'm dipping all the way back into the 80s here now, I mean, it's tough to be a first-round NFL draft pick. There's just not a ton of them. And even at a place like Oklahoma, where there's been a bunch of first-round NFL draft picks, if you just scroll through, I mean, you see, I mean, occasionally it's you know, with a defensive guy, it's, you know, a couple of years before you get your next first-round NFL draft pick. And yet Alabama has what they've been doing. It's a routine basis. It's abnormal. That's crazy, isn't it? The, con uh, the, the consistency to a certain degree. 
Where, what, pro football reference? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It, it's, it's great. I mean, it'll... Is this a new tool you get as part of the uh, editor of, of Hawkeyes? Iowa Hawkeyes online? Is this one of the perks of the gig? It, no, it's it's free. You you ah. could literally you could oh, hop okay. over there yourself right now. I dude, you know how I am with numbers. I, it, it gets to a point where you're like, oh gosh, all right, well, what are we doing? But what it uh, points per inches whenever they score a touchdown. But this is a little bit more historical. This isn't this isn't like PFF. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. They've got every single – you go back to the NFL draft and you think about every single school, right? You can dive through and you can just see where they had those runs where it was incredible. It's like, oh, my gosh, they had first-round guys going year, year after year after year, and then suddenly it just stops. The USC is a great example of that, right? And, and that's, that isn't brought up just to be a shot at Lincoln Riley because, well, in, in fairness to him, he wasn't there. But do you – do you know who the last, let's see here, try to put this to right, the last skill player was outside of Sam Darnold that they had picked in the first round? Darnold went uh, third overall to the Jets in 2018. But it's wild to think about for USC. Outside of Darnold, Nelson Aguilar in 2015 was the only other skill player they had going in the first round. Yeah, that's, Nelson Aguilar. That's unbelievable. Unreal, right? For that program, that's crazy. But, I mean, you, you can dive into numbers like that, and, I mean, the same thing could be said about Oklahoma, and as you brought up, Josh, that run defensively. We look at that and say, wow, USC didn't have any skill players drafted, but some might turn around and go, look at that gap between when OU had defensive players drafted, too. And it's Juju Smith-Schuster was a second-rounder. Right, correct. But, you know what? He was the 60, 62nd pick, so you might as well call him a third-rounder. Oh, was he the 62nd? Dude, this is okay. Now that you've pointed this little tool out to me, I didn't realize it's great, this, isn't it? I didn't realize this was a thing on Pro Football Reference, and I don't know how I could. You know, the the big story tonight is that the University of Tulsa is looking to get a player drafted in the first round in consecutive years for I want to say I want to say the first time ever. Yeah, I think it's the first time ever because uh, everybody's favorite, Willie Towns, went in the first round back in 1968, uh, 1966, but no Golden Hurricane, went in the first round in 67. Steve August went in the first round of the National Football League draft back in the mid-80s. And, uh, gosh, was it prior to the mid-80s for Steve August? Oh, my gosh, 1977. Sorry, Steve. You look young. Tyler Smith, is that who they're thinking has a Tyler chance? Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle. Xavion Collins went in the first round last year. Trying a little history for the old alma mater tonight. Here's how he gets drafted if, if offensive tackles go in the top five. Because there's some that think, speaking of that surprise, which we're going to talk about next, is that by the time we get to that fifth pick in the first round, the elite offensive tackles are all going to be off the board. Or at least – the lottery picks, if you will. So, yeah, there's a chance you could have a Golden Hurricane player. The first round, back-to-back years. Fire him up, Brad Carson. All right, quick break. When we come back, 9.39, way, way off the landing spot. Joey Helmer's coming up at 11 a.m. I want to go more in. I'm out at 11 a.m. this morning. I Actually, it sounds cool. I've got some draft responsibilities today that have popped up, and I'm embracing them. 
but I, then I'm on the road to Kansas, which will be live from full three hours for me tomorrow, um, live from Lawrence, Kansas. But when we come back, let's talk about that mystery, if there is such a mystery around number one next. All right, it's the Plank Show. Hour one is always brought to you by Van Hoos Fence, vhfence.com. All right, going to get caught up here, went a little long on the conversation about the importance of what used to be a mindset for OU fans heading into draft day, which was, gosh, we got to get those defensive linemen drafted in the first round. Let's go. We need someone. G.K. McCoy was the last guy. Let's go. Kenny Murray got drafted. Let's go. And now, I I mean, we all want to see Perrion go in the first round, but with what's now come in on the defensive side of the football, I don't think that same concern is there. I'm not – again, I, I hate how it sounds coming out of my mouth, like most things I say, because it almost sounds like you're – kind of disrespecting anything that could happen for Perry on tonight. And that's not my point. I'm not saying that we're not excited, but it's just not, it's not deemed as a necessity because we know what's coming. Anyway, it got us off kilter a little bit because you and I were talking about the potential surprise at one. Now let's be clear. Many have reported this is down to a three horse race at number one overall, which Again, you can you can take it for what you want. Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, and Trayvon Walker. Are we going with Trayvon or Trayvon? I think it was Trayvon. On this program, we will say Trayvon. Okay. I guess then, Josh, the surprise would be if it's a Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Yeah, that would be a surprise. Uh, but but you, you brought up a good one, too. Like a Sauce Gardner suddenly goes number one. Or it's it's not Hutchinson. I think Thibodeau going number one would be a bit of a surprise, and I haven't ruled that out at all. You you joked and you said a quarterback, but I mean, how NFL would it be? How NFL draft? How general manager of these general managers to basically have a a draft process where nobody's talking up the quarterbacks, and suddenly one of them goes at like number two, like whoa. What just happened there? It's all possible, right? Probably a distant possibility, but any of those I would say, yeah, yeah, we've got a surprise on our hands tonight if something like that happens. Kyle Hamilton would be a surprise at number one. I mean, yeah, I think it's probably going to be Aiden Hutchinson. I do too, and my reasoning is simple. That's who the owner wants. (laughs) It's a good reason. (laughs) And who the owner wants, the owner usually gets. And – Again, this has been a battle-filled off-season where they chose, they chose the, they chose the general manager over the coach in a couple of instances. Right? They had Byron Leftwich in the bag, and he said, "Listen, I'm not coming if this dude's your GM." And they chose Balky. They they chose Trent Balky. I keep saying Balky every time I say his name the first time. It's not like not like from Perfect Strangers, but anyway, they chose their front office. And I got good coach in Doug Peterson, but everyone's looking about at Balky's past, and they're saying, "Man, he really, he's he likes these type of players." And Trayvon Walker fits that kind of, of player. But then again, so does a Jermaine Johnson, who some don't even view as a top ten guy. Maybe they pull a surprise tonight at number one. I tend to think it's going to be Hutchinson too. I think it's going to be Hutchinson, then Thibodeau, then one of the offensive linemen at three, four, and five. 
I, I've even changed from my mock draft that I posted two nights ago, Josh. <laughs> I had Because I had Trayvon Walker going number four overall. I actually think you're going to have Hutchinson one, Thibodeau two. Then I think you're going to have offensive linemen go three, four, five. I think it's going to be either Charles Cross, Evan Walker, or Equanu, uh, and they're going to go in some order at three, four, and five. And then at six, I think that's where Carolina starts to panic a little bit because all the offensive linemen are gone. Maybe they reach and take a guy really early, or maybe that's where your quarterback goes and we start the craziness. All right, quick break. When we come back to your tweets, uh, at Plank Show, at Josh on Ref, we threw a simple question out to start the program. We both kind of, I don't know, played a little pickle back and forth with whether or not we felt like there was just one guy that we look at and say, dang, he's going to have a career. Kind of thought about maybe looking at it from hindsight. In other words, okay, let's go five years from now. Who are we going to look back and say was the Alvin Kamara of this draft and went in the fourth round when he should have gone in the top five? But we'll get some of your tweets on that and your text. Slow start. Let's go. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. It's the Plank Show. With the first pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Do you know what? I've got a hot take for you. I know Baker's basically no longer a Brown, right? I still think it was a great pick. I still think it was a great pick. Because I don't know, outside of, you know, if you were going to completely change everything and take Lamar Jackson number one overall. I don't know if Josh Allen develops without Brian Dayball like he did. I don't know if Cleveland Browns fans have the patience for what Bills fans had to go through. The payoff has been big time. Maybe you could argue, argue Quentin Nelson should have – You, I mean, listen, the point is Josh Allen or Quentin Nelson, looking back now, would be the number one pick, right? Maybe even go down and think of a, of a Lamar Jackson if you were looking back to that season. Heck, I could probably make an argument that Darius Leonard, with what he's become in the league, could have been the number one overall pick that year. But with that said, for what Cleveland needed and uh, – kind of the attitude and the personality adjustment, that dude was the perfect guy at the right time. Perfect. They'd won one game in two seasons. And I will fight you. Yeah, you're right. One game in two seasons. And it turned into a playoff win for them with Baker Mayfield playing quarterback. Obviously, it's easy to look back now, hindsight being 2020, and say this quarterback or that player has turned into a better NFL player than – Baker Mayfield, and you'd have a fair argument, and probably you're right in most of those cases, but you can't really look back at the pick and say it's a failure for right. the Browns either. Yeah. Now, if to go back and do it again, he'd not go in number one overall. But I think, I, I, I think it's not as dastardly in hindsight as it seems in some people's minds. All right, let me, let me hit this. I, I threw out the chum on Twitter today, at Plank Show. Of course, everybody should be following us at Josh on Ref and at Sports Talk 1400. Also, we have our uh, other very important entities at 947 The Ref and at Buzz Tulsa. I asked this question. Who is going to be the best player out of this draft? 
if you had one guy you felt would absolutely have a great NFL career, who would it be? Um, Pete tweets in and says, Traylon Burks. Sounds familiar, Josh. I think he will have a great career. Smart pick. Very talented guy. I comp him to Debo Samuel. Ah, see, we're thinking alike. And by the way, I can confirm that that Pete wasn't tuned in when we first talked about this. I can confirm that. So, look at you guys thinking alike. The great Drake Stenberg. Derek Stingley Jr. Yeah. That's my two favorite players in this draft that aren't from Oklahoma. And I include Dax Hill in that mix. But my two favorite players in this draft are Kayvon Thibodeau and Derek Stingley Jr. Derek Stingley Jr., I thought, was the best player on the field in 2019, 20, whenever the national championship or the semifinal game was against LSU. Yeah, it would have been 19, oh. right? 19 season into 20 because I think it was either New No, it was New Year's Eve, so it was still 19. Yep. I, how, do, how do I remember what year it is? Baker 17, Kyler 18, Jalen 19. That's how everything in my life is predicated now. It's like, what years was Landry there? I'm like, I don't know. Let's see. 17 Baker. Spencer Rattler, 2022. (laughs) Uh, And now the Gabriel era. But my point is, looking back on that night, I thought Derek Stingley Jr. was one of, if not the best player on the field defensively for LSU. And they've had a couple guys that have gone high. It was clear that he was defensively a bona fide pro. Yeah. I love him to death. Uh, here, my man Alex Hickey, who covers the Big 12 in West Virginia, tweets at us, Lindenbaum is more likely to end up in Canton than the top 15, which is kind of funny. All right, uh, hit your calls. Coming up next, 405-329-9000. It's the Plank Show. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. One storyline that has definitely been ignored so far today has been the NBA playoffs, though I am kind of fascinated by the potential second-round matchups ahead of us. Golden State moves on. Looks pretty good doing it last night. So they'll get the winner of the Memphis-Minnesota series. I think I think Dallas has a chance to end it tonight, question mark? I heard TJ this morning say he feels like that. that's going seven regardless. So Phoenix-New Orleans, we'll see. We'll see if Phoenix can avoid having to go to a game seven. Miami will take on the winner of the Sixers-Raptors where – Again, tonight, pretty massive moment because I don't think the Sixers want to deal with a game seven against the Raptors, Josh. (laughs) I don't think they want any of that smoke. Six o'clock tonight in Toronto, by the way. Also, the Suns-Pelicans game is in New Orleans. And, yeah, I guess maybe you'll be thinking game seven for the Mavs because they are in Utah tonight. But uh, Milwaukee advances, though bad news on Chris Middleton. Looks like he's going to miss the entire Celtics series with – let me see. Hold on. I, I actually started screenshotting things on my phone, so I'll, I'll know. Instead of having to open up 86 tabs, Josh, I'll be able to go to the screenshot to let you know how long he's out. A left MCL injury, according to Shams. Grade 2 sprain, he is expected to miss the entire second-round series. Boo. So there is a little NBA update for you from last night. And we had a little – Near Donnybrook in baseball? Between the Mets and the Cardinals. It's 1988 all over again. The Mets are pond scum. Even though I think that might have been the Cardinals' fault. I don't know. I'm not here to die on that hill right now. 
And there was one other story. Oh, the Cardinals picking up Kyler Murray's fifth-year option. That's not, I mean, that's a big hey, how about that? Whoa! I know, right? Shocking. I thought uh, they were headed for a messy divorce. Yeah, yeah, I thought this was all over. But they picked up his fifth-year option. So, with all that laid out, let's hear from you. 405-329-9000. Through the question out on Twitter, we'll dive through some more names. You've got one guy, one guy that you say, that dude is going to be a star in the NFL out of this draft. This guy is not a jag. He's a dude. Who's that guy from tonight's draft? And we can interweave it in on the show here between you and I, Josh. Who do you think we look back in five years from now and say, all right, that dude should have gone higher. This dude should have, this dude should have been maybe the top pick in the draft. I mean, Patrick Mahomes went 10th in the 2016 draft, right, 2017 draft. And, I mean, it still is like, yeah, it's so ridiculously low. But there's all these caveats with those, right? I mean, would Alvin Kamara have been used properly if he wasn't with Sean Payton? Would Patrick Mahomes excelled with anyone other than Andy Reid? I tend to think yes. But, I mean, this is another level that they're at. I talk about Josh Allen. What would it, where would that improvement have taken place if not for Brian Dayball and the, the work they put in? And also, also, credit to him, the work that Josh Allen put in. I don't know. But it is, it's always interesting to look back now and think, huh, I can't believe that dude went that low. Who is that guy in this year's draft? tonight hit us up on uh the air comfort solutions text line 2405-651-3439 now before we get to larry i don't know why i just blanked on true sooner's name i've got one quick note i want to share tomorrow is the 2022 sooner club and ou football ticket renewal deadline you can go to soonersports.com slash renew 22 for more information and to renew. If you haven't renewed yet, the clock is ticking. And I'm getting the sense, Josh, just based on how this offseason is going, that you're going to want to be in that stadium on game day. You're going to want to be there. If there was anything, anything that would have pushed you away, come on back. Soonersports.com slash renew 22. A lot of energy, a lot of passion, as you might imagine. Uh, let's go. Soonersports.com slash Renew22. Any announcement that, uh, that Josh Helmer has? Are you ready to go to the phones? Am I missing any? Joey Helmer at 10 a.m. this morning, or 11 a.m. this morning, right? Filling in for me, essentially. Folks want to know. Well, they don't really want to know. They, they want to tell us. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Did I miss a shout-out to the Big 12 golf champs? Oh, no, no, no. This big time. Let's go. Congrats to Ryan Hibble's crew. That was wild to try to follow while we were on the air and then to follow during the day. Because there was a moment where I thought Texas had come back and, and, and OU was done. But then all of a sudden, boom, there's a swing the other direction. He re- erased a four-shot deficit over the Unreal. final four holes. Unreal. One of the most incredible comebacks you'll see now I'll, I'll add this i had this great idea for a tv channel or maybe it's a digital channel where anytime that something crazy is happening you can hit that button and it takes you right to the channel and even if it's not televised someone's it somehow it'll click someone's phone that's there something and boom you got video coverage of it because I was, if that if that was on anywhere and I missed it, I'm very angry. 
because I couldn't find it anywhere. No, you didn't. You didn't okay. miss it. It wasn't on. Okay. Because following it on the score thing is brutally painful. Yeah, that's a trip. And I don't mean that as a – I mean, listen, they're doing everything they can. But it's just you see a big swing. Like, oh! And then you got to wait. It's like, what happened? You got to go to Twitter, and you got to scroll through and figure out what's up. Just, you know, we always want more. I get it. But I really wanted to be able to watch the final few holes of that in the Big 12 championship down in Texas yesterday. Congratulations to Ryan Hibble's crew. Well deserved. Always dig my conversations with him. And whenever he comes on with us, he's great. I'm sure. Was he on with Toby this morning? He'll probably be on tomorrow. Ryan Hibble. Kudos, man. Big time win for the Sooner men's golf team. Big 12 champs. All right, let's go to the phones. True Sooner. What's going on, True? How are you, man? Hey, uh, I wanted to file a complaint with Josh. Uh, he's he's harassing harassing callers again. Uh oh, what happened? What would he do? I just will asked you, him. You, I just asked him who the Raiders were drafting in the first two rounds. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's, that's, ra- that's harassment. That's that's harassment. I, I just don't. You know, I thought Josh was a nicer guy than that. Um, I mean, jo- Josh, we 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 broke bread together, Josh. You know. I know. I just feel like, okay, this is my, this is my one Chiefs Raiders moment for the next. I don't know. Yeah, calendar year. The yeah, because the Raiders have had so many positive things happen in the last 10 years in the first round, right? Too I mean, many. Too many to- for my liking. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'll never forget how mad I was about how people were talking about Damon Arnett. I've never felt oh more gosh. stupid in my life. It's just, you know, I, I love Mike Mayock, and I appreciate names like Renfro and Mullen and, to a certain extent, Merrig and, and obviously Max Crosby. But, geez, Louise, man, can we at least get in the ballpark of a guy that can stay on the roster with a first-round pick? Holy smokes. How embarrassing. How about Jamarcus Rose? How about Jamarcus Rose? Now, you're really going back to pull off the Band-Aid of pain. I um, know. I know. But I had I a Jamarcus hey. Russell jersey. It's one of the last jerseys I bought. I <laughs> got out of the jersey-buying business after that. Are they going to really trade Waller? No. That's, they're not going to do that. You all. know what? In fact, I've got – I'm glad that you mentioned that. I've got some audio to share on that coming up here in a bit. Okay, so so – so you talked about uh, the uh, – I'm just turning it off my train of thought here. That's crazy. Okay, I do that a lot um, recently, Sage. <laughs> so the uh, – holly, I can't even think of what I was thinking of. Anyway. We were talking, we were talking about the NFL about, draft yeah, all day yeah. today, so it's not hard to, to try to remember a topic because all we've talked about oh, is the NFL oh, okay. draft and whether or not OU needs okay. a defender to be drafted in the first draft. Yeah, that, that's, what it was, that's what it's about. Okay. okay. So I think that it doesn't matter now. Like, to me, it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters to any of these guys now because I think a year ago we would have been worried about it, like you said, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. I mean, this. to be honest with you, this defense has been an embarrassment for, for what I'm used to seeing when I was, you know, all the way up to 2008, eight, nine, whatever. I mean, this, it, to me, it doesn't matter. We all know I have as much confidence in this defense as I did in Lincoln's offense. And I think that, the X factor here is how much confidence do you have in Levy's offense? And I think, I think I have way more confidence in Levy's offense than I had in Grinch's defense. Does that all make sense? No, it absolutely does. And, and let's be clear here, too, uh, True Sooner. And I appreciate your phone call, man. All right, man. We'll see you, man. Let's be clear here on this, too, Josh. If we get down the road three or four years – and that that hasn't turned though. I'm I'm looking at this roster right now, and I see a couple dudes where I'm like, I think that guy's going to be a first round pick. Now I'm getting way, way over my skis, but I'm just I'm making this point 
for the sake of, of kind of playing both sides here. If, if you get in a situation where you get three or four years and you're still not seeing guys go in the first round, then maybe that panic starts to set in a bit, but not like it was over the last, you know, five or 10 years. You know, I was, it was funny. You were talking about looking at the pro football reference and looking back on Oklahoma's draft classes and how it's kind of wild to think about that massive run that they had without a a first-round defensive player. It went from Kenneth Murray in 2020 all the way back to, what was it? Um, 2010. 2010, yeah. Gerald McCoy. So I don't think anything like that is going to happen. But the point is, you know, you get in those situations to where if it starts going a couple years, you're like, okay, what's going on? We need our let's let let's go, because it's it's hopping everywhere else. You know, I don't think it's crazy though to say that we might be waiting on that first defensive first rounder in the Venables era. A couple years. Yeah, I mean, you got to let them recruit the guys in and then develop them up, and away we go. Do they have that first round player on campus? Maybe they do. That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, like, which it's a great question. Who, I, who defensively could be that guy for OU? Maybe a Stutzman with his size and his tackling ability. I mean, it's all, it's all predicated on, you know, hope right now. J- Jalen Redmond will will the if he has a big year. But I, the thing I worry about Jalen Redmond is kind of that Miles Jack theory. Will the medical on him yeah. end up pushing him down a little I, bit? I'd I be know. shocked if he winds up a first-rounder. He'd have to have a monster 2022, which I think he's fully capable of. But, yes, the medical side and like it, love it, hate it, the opting out during the COVID year, I mean, all of that I think is going to work against him a little bit. Let me give you a name. Let me give you a name before we grab a break. And – you might say this is a bit of a stretch. But what about a Key Lawrence? Uh, I, that would be one of the names, one of the other names I was thinking about. He'd have to be amazing right. this season, but he's got the size. Because I'm not six foot two oh four. I mean, I literally went to Soonersports.com and pulled up the roster and tried to imagine, all right, who is who is that next first round pick on the defensive side of the football for the Sooners? I mean, I, I. you could probably have that debate on the offensive side, too, right now. But, listen, if Anton Harrison can get get his mind where it needs to be, that dude's going to be a first-round pick but just because of his physical and just overall strength, a, a physical ability and strength, uh, if his strength improves, excuse me. I don't know, dude. It's a great question. But I, I think about Key Lawrence because I've heard Murdoch say this a lot, and – I guess Brent Venables and Clemson were all over Lawrence They out of high school whenever he chose Tennessee. And now to have him in a position to where he's going to be on the field a lot, I don't – I mean, I don't know. I'm just – I'm trying to come up with a name. If – because I've got one more, and you tell me if it's crazy talk. But go ahead. I've got a younger name that I think will have a chance. Jaron Canick. I think he's got a chance. Now, you, that, that's, you know, way down the road for that. 
Marcus Stripling and Reggie Grimes. Marcus Stripling and Reggie Grimes are two guys, too. That'll be interesting to watch this year. Maybe Jordan Kelly develops. I mean, people love interior defensive tackles, defensive linemen. I'm just, it was a really good point whenever we sit here and go, listen, I I don't think we're all panicking. Say, oh, gosh, I hope Perrion Winfrey goes in the first round so can help with recruiting. I don't think anyone's got that mindset. But I also don't know, Josh, who's next, right? It's, it's, It's one hell of a conversation whenever you're looking at the, the Sooner defensive side of the football. All right, listen, 1017, we got a break. 405 329 uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We'll hit those. And really good tweet thread going right now on guys you think are going to be rock stars in the NFL draft. We'll get to it next on the Plank Show. A story that is very important to me, Josh. I just found during this break, um, I had not had a chance to read Bill Hastings' article yet this morning, or maybe some of you know him as Bill Hastings. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, He has an article, Brad Carson, who is the president at the University of Tulsa, announced on Twitter that they were retiring Captain Kane in a roundabout way. Basically killed him off. They killed off Captain Kane which I'm fine with. I will say, though, I did kind of dig one year. I was involved in a process where they created a backstory for him. He had a name. He was working. This is the University of Tulsa mascot, by the way. He he was working in the computer lab, Josh, when an electrical storm hit the computer lab. Yeah, we used to have computer labs back in the day. And suddenly he became Captain Kane. Well, he's dead now. So they're talking about replacing him. But Bill asks quite an interesting question. Might they actually change their nickname too? Because, I mean, again, nine out of ten times when you say Tulsa Golden Hurricane, what's the smart eloquent answer? Has there ever been a hurricane in Tulsa? Well, there hasn't been, but like in the 30s, some coach said that his team went through a squad like a hurricane. Not a hurricanes, a hurricane. By God, that's what we've been since 1917. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, Bill asks a, a point, puts up a great point. TU doesn't have an identity crisis, but it also has an identity problem. During a ridiculously high percentage of TU football and basketball telecasts, are when referred to by various national media figures, they're called the Hurricanes. Yes. Yes, they are. So even though I wasn't one of the 40 people that got a, uh, a message from Bill Haston, I just want to say this, Josh. They can't change the name, can they? Can't change it from University of Tulsa Golden Hurricane by God. It's what they are. That's, that's who they are. What would be some of the options they'd consider changing to? Um, some of what he had brought, well, there's no option. It's just a theory. Tulsa might not even be thinking about this. It's just a theory that he brought up. Since they killed the mascot off? Since they killed Captain Kane. Though I did not get any details of how he went RIP. Peacefully. Superheroes don't die. Um, (laughs) there were some golden driller suggestions, Bill wrote. A couple of roughneck suggestions. That'd be cool. Um, 
Tornadoes and Twisters, Golden Wildcats, Golden Storm. But the Blue Flame and the Tulsa Gold. And in fact, I guess uh, Lynn Casey, who is a former Fox 23 news anchor, she even designed a Tulsa Gold logo. That's how far she went. But I don't know. The Fighting Planks. The Fighting Planks. <laughs> Via the text line. If there has ever been a university that tries to disassociate itself more from a person <laughs> than the University of Tulsa does for me, I don't know. I've, I'm still waiting on the, uh, the communications class that I, that I was in to ask me to come speak to them. But if R.J. Young sneezes, Josh, he's over there in a heartbeat. I'm just kidding. No, but I'm serious. I don't think just these, kidding, but not really. No, 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 no. I, I mean, listen, I don't care. I think I think one time they asked me to do something, and I said, "Oh, I'm kind of busy that night," and I didn't do it. And I think that uh, the my, it was my poetry tree, uh, teacher. I think she trash talked me to everyone else in their group, and that's why I'm never invited back to the communications department. That and I lived by a really, really bad theory for a student. I'm not going to lie, which was kind of fake it till you make it. And I made it, rarely. But I wasn't the most, let's just put it, I wasn't a good college student. So I would understand why I wouldn't be invited. But you've been successful, very successful in your broadcasting career. Yeah, things have rolled. I feel good about it. Um, But I don't think, honestly, Josh, I don't think they need to change the nickname. Tulsa Gold's pretty cool. But, But that does sound awesome. And if there's one thing I've noticed from the activities of the new Tulsa president, he seems to be very swayed by what, what is said on social media. It seems as if you can get his attention that way. Uh, kind of like the joke Mike Lombardi made the joke on the GM Shuffle that you, you could have your draft board all in place and an owner can watch a video highlight on, say, the NFL Network or, or ESPN and decide that's the guy that he wants and your whole draft board is shot to you-know-what <laughs> because the owner's like, I saw a video of this dude. I want him. I want him now. He goes, it really happens. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's how Mr. Carson feels. I don't know. What, maybe run, he sees something shiny and wants to change it. But. Run down those suggestions for okay. me real quick again. This is from – hold on a second. Did they actually kill him off? Hold on. Steve Braun is sending me the story as we, uh, as we speak. Did he simply transition Star um, Wars style? Okay, here, here's – someone sent me a tweet thread real quick. <laughs> okay, Hold great. on, hold on. I apologize. I, I just want to make sure I get this right. We're live on the air, so just don't Welcome worry. Welcome to the Plank Show on the Ref Sports Radio Network. I can no longer multitask, especially when I do the show from home. Just filibuster a little bit here. Yeah, you guys talk amongst yourselves. All right, so Bill Hastings' article this morning, real quick sidebar on the draft talk through some Tulsa Golden Hurricane stuff, um, had theorized that, hey, maybe since they're changing the mascot – they would go ahead and, and change the nickname. And Bill, doing his due diligence as the solid columnist he is, reached out to some people and said, hey, what do you think of a name change? What would you want it to be? And here were some of the names he got. Roughnecks, Golden Drillers, though, I mean, I don't know if the Drillers would like that. Tornadoes, Twisters, Golden Wildcats, Golden Storm. Uh, and then also there was the Blue Flame, which just sounds like a mid-'80s wrestler. Uh, Marty Janetti waiting for his, his opponent and from parts unknown, the blue flame. <laughs> ah, here comes the blue flame. Marty Janetti's got it all up for him tonight. 
Yeah, it can't be the – and the gold, which was the one I think you and I universally said, okay, that's not bad. A Tulsa gold logo was even created by uh, former Fox. Can you send it to Casey. me? I don't know if he has it here. If you're listening, if you're listening, Nate Thompson, will you have your wife send us the Tulsa gold logo? I like Golden Storm, too. I do kind of like Golden Storm. But you know what I really like, Josh? Golden Hurricane. I really like Golden Hurricane. So, anyway, I mentioned uh, the great Steve Braun, show contributor from the 918. Uh, Our buddy Ryan Rahal had tweeted at uh, Captain Kane in memoriam, which is apparently (laughs) – there's a Twitter feed called at not Captain Kane that just got a follow from me. Uh, had asked, you know, what's your favorite uniform combo? How will you remember the Captain Kane era? And Ryan Rainhall, Ryan Rahal tweeted at him and said, with Brad Carson linked, sir, whatever you do, please do not change the Golden Hurricane name. To which Brad Carson responded, no chance. And that was literally 10 minutes ago. So kudos to Bill. Good article. But I don't know. I mean, listen, someone had brought up the big fight that – Many were trying to get what Boomer Sooner booted, and some wanted the, the Sooner name replaced. Some look at Cowboys now, and they're, oh, that's a little bit too – I'm not even kidding. This is There's a very soft side of this world that is so left you couldn't even imagine. And I'm not saying that from a political perspective, but it's a very unique perspective on things, one that I don't necessarily share. All whites are pretty sweet. Yeah, All right? four of those are nice. I know, right? I kind of dig the red and gold. Talking about the old Captain Kane uniforms. But I'll tell you what. This wouldn't be any type of lean towards public pressure because there's nothing, 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 A, that people are complaining about it with it being a hurricane, you smart aleck on Twitter. And, B, there's no issues right now with, I think, like an identity crisis. Do people say hurricanes? Yeah, they do. But you're in the ballpark. Billy Packer, I met Billy Packer one time. I'm so excited, dude. This was – it was 1994. It was right after Tulsa had advanced to the Sweet 16. And I was in Reunion Arena for Oklahoma was – Arkansas was there. Michigan was there. And I was just – dude, I'm – Arkansas won that tournament, right? Yeah, they did. I was 19 years old. I was a college sophomore. I, I might have been a freshman. I might have been a college freshman. And – I was so excited because everyone that I had grown up watching at that point was in this one place. Billy, pa- I'm like, there's Billy Packer. I'm going to say hi to him. And I'm Billy Chris Plank. I'm with the University of Tulsa. I'm a student assistant. I'm, I'm with the SID department. Anything you need, let me know. He goes, here's what I need. Why hurricane? Is there hurricanes in, in Oklahoma? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 sir, there's not. He goes, well, why Hurricane? I'm like, well, it's an actually interesting story. Uh, and I started to tell it, and he just, like, walked away. I was like, I, I, I. he's like, good luck this weekend. <laughs> but I was going to tell you the story. So I've always kind of taken pride in it being the Golden Hurricane. It's a monumental moment in my life when Billy Packer blew me off. I'm not still bitter about it or anything, am I? I mean, I'm not holding any ill will. It doesn't sound like it, No. All right, kudos to Bill Haston. Go check that out. Fun stuff online for TU fans and alums. Now, I had brought this up earlier on the show, and it was a very (laughs) – someone tweeted and said the Tulsa Outsiders. (laughs) Nice, right? The Outsiders house, which everyone seems to love. 
the movie was filmed there, even though it involves a kid getting stabbed in a fight. Well, let's celebrate. It's it. a good book. Yeah. Good movie. Uh, but I'd ask the question on Twitter, who is going to be the best player out of this draft? If you had one guy, one guy, Josh Helmer, you felt would absolutely have a great NFL career, who would it be? And I, there's there's some interesting submissions here. Uh, like, for instance, Kennedy Brooks from Simpson 1. I like Kennedy Brooks a lot, a lot, but I don't. I don't know if I would say that he's going to be the best running back out of this draft. Uh, he's definitely not going to be the first running back picked out of this draft. But he wouldn't make my list. Honestly, if I'm talking Sooners, I'm probably going Benito or Perry on Winfrey right now. But an interesting submission. A lot of Perry on Winfrey's. Uh, my man Ryan tweets at us and says, Devontae Adams. I agree. Devontae Adams will be the best player involved in the draft in some way, shape, or form tonight. <laughs> Russell Wilson. Uh, Seth Oliveris hits us up on Twitter. All right, Kayvon Thibodeau seems like a solid choice here. I'll go with him. Isn't it funny? We, you and I both feel this this way about how talented he is, but I feel like with him we have more questions that get asked every single day about what his future looks like, right? Not it's for incredible. me. Not, not for me. I mean, he's definitely who I would take at number one. He's the dude. He is so good. I, I love H Hutchinson too, but – I would be taking Thibodeau. I, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. There is a chance that you could have two edge rushers and three offensive tackles go in the top five. And, and you know, I would even say one edge rusher and maybe a defensive tackle with three offensive linemen that could go in the top five. And I don't know if that's awesome or indicative of how people feel about the skill positions in this draft hey we're inching towards a time josh where a receiver is going to go number one in the draft again it's going to happen again soon just with how much teams have put on the receiver position i mean you're i there's a chance you could get jameson williams go as high as six tonight but you think not to carolina i think someone could move up there i really yeah, they don't like how the board plays out and trade right. back. Right, right. Or, or or a Kansas City sees that they're up to six. Which, by the way, it's not just receiver that people are talking about KC moving up to get. Who did you bring up earlier? Well, some Kansas City people feel like if Kayvon Thibodeau slips yeah. that they could get aggressive. Right. But here's and that's what probably I, the case for a lot of different franchises, don't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But here's what I don't understand. Going from 29 and 30 to 6? Oh, man, they'd have to give up so next, much. You'd have to give up next year's one and probably a second? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend to understand draft value, but if you're Carolina, you have to have a really, really damn good excuse for why you would give up a top 10 pick and then move down to 29 and 30, where even if there's a, a pick next year involved, which I would imagine there would be, it's still the Chiefs who are going to be picking in the 30s. <laughs> and maybe that comes across, too, from a paranoid Raiders fan. Don't do that. You know, Kansas City's got eight selections, as it stands right now, in the top 135 picks, two in the first, two in the second, two in the third, two in the fourth. So there is a scenario where they, they could – package a hefty little haul to somebody 
if a tr- you know if a yeah. deal gets struck. Boy, though, that's a if if Carolina says okay, well, and then maybe with twenty nine and thirty, you you could then package that to move back up to eleven or something, or twelve, to where you feel a little bit better about then getting a Kenny Pickett or then getting gosh who's my other offensive lineman that I love in this draft that is probably not going to go oh, a Trevor Penning right I, I mean it's just how do you evaluate these so wide receivers can we do it when we get back yeah absolutely we can because I have a surprise number one just like my number one player on my draft board is Kayvon Thibodeau if I sat here and did a draft board my number one player would be Kayvon Thibodeau my number two player would be Derek Stingley Jr. but I don't do that it's, it would all just be kind of like my opinion and talk, hearing people talk and kind of being an echo chamber for you on that front. Absolutely. But if I had a receiver that I would look at and think, that's the dude that I want, he's not, he's not a person that anyone is talking about. And I'll tell you about him next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. I've realized I'm I'm sitting here and I've had a top five stories of the day in front of me, and I'm I'm not even going to do a top five stories of the day today. Do you want to? I don't know. Ping pong it around on what some of your top stories yeah, yeah. are. I mean, all draft related? No, 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 no. It's all non-draft related. It's mostly sooner related. So you want to? You want to do it here? Sure, yeah. Joey Helmer is coming up at the top of the hour. You want some sounders or what? I've got some here for you. I've got some. Uh... Now, I don't think we need to do five, four, three, two, one. Because in my opinion, Josh, there is if, if we did five, four, three, two, one, I mean, we're just kind of mocking everyone today because, I mean, everyone pretty much is, is, is understanding. And if they've listened to this show, they realize we care about one, number one, number one, number one. We say we don't usually like to rank them in order, but the NFL draft is topic number one. And on Twitter, I put out uh, my mock draft, and then I really appreciate uh, Tyler put together a cool graphic of kind of where I think the Sooner guys are going to go. But with that in mind, it's the biggest topic in our world. So let's ping pong three quick stories here. How's it sound? Number one, kudos to men's golf. OU men's golf national champs worthy um heck of a comeback what was that down four over the last four holes is that we, right we hope big we hope national champs but certainly they oh, are big, big 12 champs big 12 champs Sorry, hopefully they are i, I mean, was looking at they, a national championship banner Sorry. definitely our big 12 champs <laughs> but what was it four four strokes they had to overcome down the stretch yeah yeah and i you know oklahoma was four over on the last four texas was eight over and Oklahoma State was a couple over in those final four holes. And remember, OU started yesterday one stroke behind Texas, so they got off to a really, really good start, took the lead, held it for a good little bit, and then those final few holes were, were battling both Texas and Oklahoma State and were able to get it done. And the other big story that we haven't talked about yet that we can banny about, Mo Gibson's in the portal. Um. Don't really know what the future looks like for Mo, but it doesn't appear, Josh, as if he's coming back to Oklahoma, right? Hmm. That's interesting. 
what do you think is the thought process there? I don't know. Um, you know, listen, I'm not going to – I can't pretend as if I've been able to be on the inside with basketball as, as much as you want. Uh, it, You know, just like with what we saw a couple weeks ago from E.J. Harkless, you thought he was on his way back, right? You thought he was going to be a guy that would end up in an Oklahoma uniform. Then all of a sudden, he's in the portal. And, you know, Mo Gibson has been pretty open about, hey, exploring his his opportunities and seeing what's out there for him. But, I mean, 13 points per game, it's been a pretty crazy 48 hours. But, I mean, Mo Gibson's in the portal, and it doesn't seem as if, Josh, it, it's, it's in an angle where he could come back. Interesting. Is this – Maybe to a lesser degree, but is this a Nigel Pack situation with Mo Gibson? What's that, dude? I'm sorry. Totally cut out there. I, I just said, you know, maybe it's to a lesser degree, but with Mo Gibson, is this basically a Nigel Pack situation oh. where he's going to surface somewhere else and it's going to be a name image likeness deal? I, that's a great point because uh, a Pack basically ends up having his transfer announced by, what, the collective or – the group that was representing him whenever he went to what, Miami? Or was it Miami or Michigan? I just saw U of M. I never really went too deep in it. It's like, oh, that seems odd. But, yeah, it's a great question. I have no idea. I don't know. And then the third thing is last night, Kendall Rogers, actually yesterday afternoon, Kendall Rogers released his updated bracket projections. And he had Oklahoma – as a three seed headed out to Corvallis to play with Oregon State, Grand Canyon U, and Fairleigh Dickinson. So For baseball? For baseball, correct. Yes, OU baseball. So the good news there, Oklahoma's in. But I asked Toby because, I, I mean, I kind of thought maybe they were a two seed. But Toby said upper half of the three seeds. So you're going to a place where – as the three seeds are concerned, you're in that upper realm of the three seeds. And maybe even at this point, Josh, knocking on the door of a two, possibly, for Skip Johnson? Yeah, I mean, it just depends on how this next little bit plays out for for that group and the remainder here of Big 12 play. But that's good. You know, it sounds like, I mean, definitely very safely in. And who did you say was the two seed there with them? Grand Canyon U. I mean, I – I think that's a winnable matchup. Obviously, uh, Oregon State would be, you know, incredibly difficult. Oregon State would be tough. But, yeah, I'm in. But that's going to be the case almost anywhere you go. I, I'm in the I want to see him get a shot. I want to see him get a shot. Take care of Kansas State this weekend. Um, Kansas State has been a roller coaster of a year for baseball. And that's not a shot at anyone. They've just – They've had some incredibly high highs, and they've had some big-time lows. Uh, they're coming off a loss to a Nebraska team this week. That's not very good. They won two or three from UC Irvine out of conference, but this team on the road has been something. They're 16-5 and five at home. They are 5-11 and 11 on the road. In fact, if you consider you know neutral games too, they're just 5-14 and 14 away from K-State away from Manhattan. So, Oklahoma, Kansas State, weather looking good for this weekend. Uh, 6.30 on Friday night, 
2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock on Sunday. So there you go. Those are my three things. Men's golf, Big 12 champs, Mo Gibson in the transfer portal, baseball. Baseball! Projected as a three-seed off to Corvallis. Big weekend coming up against Kansas State. And they, I just saw this on our buddy Spotter Shep's Twitter feed. Looks like the national champion women's gymnastics team is going to be out throwing the first pitch. Dylan Gabriel on a day, too. So check it out, OU Baseball, this week. All right, so we were talking about receivers. And when we come back, I want to pay off that tease to wrap up my portion of the show with Joey Helmer coming up right after the top of the hour. I've got a receiver one on my list that no one's talking about. We'll get to next. All right, uh, Joey Helmer is coming up next. He and Josh and TJ have you for the next hour. We've got some uh, draft responsibilities over on ESPNU and a chance to uh, a chance to go a little bit more in depth to help our show tomorrow. So we'll see how it goes. I'm on late tonight too, so it's going to be a fun night. I'm really, I am overly juiced about tonight. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm most happy, Josh, whenever they say, and the Jaguars are officially on the clock because that stops days and days and months of here's what I think is going to happen. Well, I'm telling you right now, this guy's the best. But now, again, draft grades can't truly be quantified until, you know, five years afterwards or three. But I'm here to tell you something. I've got a guy atop my wide receiver board. That nobody's even talking about in the first round, Josh. Really? Yeah. And, in fact, it was funny because Spotter Shep sent his name to me this morning, and it reminded me he's my favorite receiver. And I know he's battled some injuries, but I am a big George Pickens guy. And I say not being talked about in the first round, but I just – I clicked on a Bleacher Report update, and I thankfully didn't have 86 slide reels or a ton of photoshops on here that I had to work through. But um, Jeremy Fowler reported that Pickens thinks he's going anywhere from 25 to 45. So may- maybe he ends up as a first-round pick. Had the torn ACL in March of 2021, which means there's probably another injury coming, right? But – I think he's the best player at the receiver position. Physical, big, strong, fast, uh, 85 catches, 1,200 yards, 14 touchdowns in 20 games. He had that on-field altercation where, you know, he ended up throwing a a dude around by his face mask. Was that a Georgia Tech player? Yeah, that'll be good. He'll fit right (laughs) in in Kansas City. So, um, oh, gosh, that was way back in 2019. I felt like that was more recent than then. But, yeah, um, I love him to death. He's my favorite receiver in this draft. And I hope he goes tonight. I hope it's not to Kansas City, but I think he's got a chance to be special. Yeah, there's a good chance that Kansas City, if they don't trade up, that's there's a good chance he winds up in Kansas City. All right, buddy. Um, listen, you and Joey enjoy the 11 o'clock hour. I know TJ's going to jump in for a bit. I'll be back tomorrow live from Lawrence, Kansas. Until then, enjoy draft night. Uh, Josh and I will be very active tonight on Twitter at Ref. I know Josh is going to be following Tyler Lindbaum and what happens with the Iowa guys, so that's going to be fun because I think he's going to be a mid-first-round guy. Uh, and I'm going to be all over everything sooner related. Hopefully, maybe two guys can sneak into the first round. Not optimistic about it, 
but hopeful. Joey Helmer coming up next to get us caught up on all things OU spring ball as we've kind of put spring in the rear view. And we dive into recruiting right here on The Ref. Hour number three, it's the Plank Show. Back with you, Josh Helmer. Hanging out with you. Hour three of the Plank Show. It's brought to us by Roof Tech of Oklahoma. Give Josh Tucker at Roof Tech. Give him a buzz, 405-703-4245. Locally owned and operated for 30 years. Where at Roof Tech of Oklahoma, they guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. As typifies every Thursday, we welcome in Big Bubba, Joey Helmer from OU Insider. Joey, what's up? Good morning. What's going on? How you doing? Good. I understand that you have a Tulsa road trip in tow. We do. We do. We, uh, we'll get the coaching staff again. Uh, Jenny Bronchek and uh, Brent Venables and uh, we'll we'll see. You know, it's good to have these back. Obviously, uh, it's been a minute with the pandemic and everything, so um, it, it'll it'll be good to have these back in person and uh, obviously get the fans around the coaching staff. And uh, it's it's been a while for these. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Gonna be good. I mean, obviously, the stock of one Brent Venables. It's like around here, it couldn't go much higher, but. Everybody out in Tulsa is definitely going to be fired up to see and hear from Brent Venables. I mean, is there anything specifically that you're looking forward to, to hearing from the head coach? I don't think specifically. Just obviously, again, with with Brent and Jenny, and obviously Porter Moser is also scheduled to, to be in attendance. But just, you know, for, for them to be able to get in front of the crowd and uh, th- these are things that uh, we we've obviously missed uh, for the last couple of years, and um, it, it it's it'll be really really good to uh, just have an in person event. And the like we looked last weekend, and I mean the excitement around that everyone wants to talk about uh, Oklahoma's football program right now, but uh, the excitement around the athletic department in general, uh, but. <laughs> is something right now and so um obviously um for these three you know for the fan base to be able to to hear what uh, these three are going to have to say is um, obviously important it is something uh where the fan base can interact with uh, the coaching staff and feel like they're engaged what's your read on Yamoja Gibson entering the transfer portal it'll be you know, you mentioned Porter Moser set to be in attendance. I'll be curious to see some video or hear some of the comments that he has to say as obviously Harkless has entered the portal. Now Mo Gibson has entered the portal. What do you make of Gibson's decision? Yeah, you know, you asked me this a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, and um, about when Oklahoma has to – uh, you know, get some stability in their program and, you know, not be going to the portal. And now, uh, obviously, you lose two key pieces here, um, potentially with Elijah Harkless and uh, Emoja Gibson. And, um, you know, it, it's it, Oklahoma has to get stability in their program. Obviously, it's, uh, it, it's not good news. Um, for uh, Emoja Gibson, a, a key player from this past season. And so, uh, but, you know, the the biggest takeaway is, 
just kind of maybe the shock factor of it and uh, where do you go from here. So, um, yeah, Porter Bozer, obviously, I think something that needs to be stated about this past season is, look, this was a roster that was kind of a makeshift uh, group, if you will, and um, he he was able to get them uh, on the precipice of, of being in the NCAA tournament, and so um, a lot of credit has to be given to him, but uh, yet in that same vein, you know, he's got to be able to get some stability here going forward, and so you, you don't want to see the influx of uh, players in and out of your program here if you go a year or two down the line. Yeah, I mean, I just look at it, and, you know, now they've got a couple of transfers Oklahoma does coming in, and Joe Bamisil from George Washington and Sam Godwin as well. I wonder and worry a little bit if 2022 and 2023 here, this upcoming basketball season, if it's not going to reflect a little bit kind of what this past year looked like in terms of the makeshift roster element of it because here you've got two guys that you were hoping would come back and be key cogs for you again in both Harkless and Gibson, and now it looks like they're both choosing to go elsewhere. I know you got Tanner Groves and Jacob Groves back, and that's good, but, man, you know, to not have all four of those guys back I think is a little bit of a problem for Oklahoma. We'll see. To me, I look at it, and Milos Uzen and Otega Uwe, the two four-star kids coming in, the point guard Uzen and the shooting guard Uwe, those guys, man, they, they really have to be players in my mind for Oklahoma now moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and obviously, like you said, I mean – you're losing a core of your team, and uh, like I said, Porter Moser is going to get he's going to get his players into into this program. But but um, as you you know wait on that, you'd like to have your core um, in place, if you will, to you know to have those guys in place while you're getting your players uh, and recruiting your guys. So it's it's obviously it's tough, um, tough news. Samoja Gibson is such a key player for Oklahoma this past season, so uh, we'll we'll see what Porter is able to do here moving forward. Though we know we've seen the one Oklahoma news, the collective that's uh, been launched with Toby Keith and Barry Switzer. Man, I- I'm just thinking, you know, about this Mo Gibson news and sort of combining it with the Nigel Pack news that we saw recently. And I wonder if Mo Gibson, when we see him land, if it's not going to be similar from Nigel Pack's exit from Kansas State where he's got maybe not an $800,000 NIL deal lined up over two years in the car and everything else that Nigel Pack got, but if he doesn't have something you know substantial that we see wherever Mo Gibson ends up winding up at, man, the, the collective portion for Oklahoma – you know, it's important, of course, for Oklahoma football to keep up with the Joneses and Texas A&M and whoever else out there has got these collectives that they're building. But I kind of think about men's basketball and just what we're already seeing out there with Nigel Pack and perhaps with Mo Gibson here. Oklahoma might need the collective portion just uh, to keep up with everybody in men's basketball, too. Yeah, no doubt. And Obviously, as you're transitioning to the SEC, these things are <laughs> really, really important. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the NIL has 
completely changed the game. I mean, it, it just it really has. And so, um, like you said, they keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, that that's what it is. You know, you have to um, for to stay pace um, with it. the other athletic programs around the country. You have to um, with the NIL. You have to match that. And so, um, obviously, Oklahoma. We talked about the the competitiveness uh, across the board with uh, the athletic program. And um, they, they certainly, <laughs> I mean, you, you look in, in Oklahoma is so competitive across the board. And so um, NIL deals for their, for players in their program aren't going to be an issue, but um, yeah, I mean, you, you absolutely have to, uh, to com- keep the competitiveness you know, these NIL deals are really huge nowadays. Talking with Joey Helmer. That's right. My big brother at Joey Helmer, 247, the editor over at 24-7 Sports OU Insider. What are you thinking? I mean, obviously you're going to be heading out for the caravan tonight. Are you going to be able to take in much of the NFL draft? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, I, <laughs> you, you know, when I – decided that obviously I got to be up there but um, when I saw kind of how this trip was timing out I was like well gosh I'm, I'm going to be on the road while the NFL draft is going on so uh, we'll we'll see if I, I you know I, I might grab a bite to eat somewhere and watch some of the first part of the draft or whatever how, how it's going to be timed up but um, it, it should be interesting obviously uh this is a huge weekend every year for Oklahoma to uh, to keep their draft streak going. They've you know multiple players every single year, and uh, this will be no different. So uh, we'll we'll see what's in store tonight. But yeah, this uh, this next three days should be interesting for uh, for Oklahoma fans for sure. Well, not good news really for Oklahoma, but good news on the front that I think you're going to be you know. I think you're going to be okay that there's not going to be a Sooner drafted in the first round, so I don't think you're missing any highlights in terms of that. I would probably, if I had to percentage rank it, one out of 10, 10% maybe, and maybe that's too high, that Perrion Winfrey goes in the first round of the NFL draft tonight. I mean, I know that the buzz in his stock seemingly was so high coming off of that Senior Bowl MVP, but it just feels like it's tapered off, and now he's probably settling into being a second-round pick. I definitely think he's Perrion Winfrey's going to be safely a second-round pick, but any chance? What percentage would you give Perrion to be a surprise first-round pick tonight? I think your percentage is probably about right. I would say 10 to 15 percent uh, that we hear his name called tonight, and yeah, I. You know, I, I see him probably as a second rounder. I, I would be fairly surprised if he drops to the third round. We'll we'll see, but uh, yeah, I, I I would expect. You know, we're gonna we're gonna hear Perrion Winfrey. We're gonna hear Nick Benito, and uh, you know Brian Osamo also in that mix there. Um, so in the second third round range. So we'll we'll see, but yeah, I I, I think you're you're probably pretty accurate with I mean the chances are fairly slim that we hear his name called tonight we were talking about this plank and I 
I think hour one of the program, definitely this morning, we were talking about the importance of Oklahoma having that first round NFL draft pick. That's a defensive player. Remember, two years ago, it was one of the big discussion points was how important it would be for Oklahoma to, to see Kenneth Murray get drafted in the first round. It had been 10 years at that point since Gerald McCoy was an NFL first round draft pick. Uh, that, that was the last NFL first-round draft pick as an Oklahoma defensive player. Obviously, Kenneth, Kenneth Murray was drafted by the Chargers in the first round, and now a couple of years later, probably Perrion Winfrey's not going to wind up being a first-rounder. But, you know, we sort of, Plank and I, agreed that maybe it's not of as much paramount importance for Oklahoma for Perrion Winfrey to be a first-round draft pick tonight simply because of the faith that you have in Brent Venables and Todd Bates to eventually – churn out some NFL first round draft picks on the defensive side of the football. What's what's sort of your timeline for when you'll be looking for Venables and Bates and just everything Oklahoma's got going on defensively for for this program to start routinely churning churning out first round NFL draft picks on the defensive side? Yeah, I mean, that's the next step for Oklahoma right now. But obviously, you, you look and uh, Kenneth Murray was a, a first-rounder at linebacker here a couple of years ago, but th- this is a program that is obviously we're so accustomed to uh, seeing uh, Oklahoma defensive linemen, you know, just nasty defensive players uh, that this program produces and uh, sends to the NFL, and, and so uh, that's absolutely the next step, and I, I think when you ask me a timeline, you know, you'd like to see within a couple of years uh, that, that the, the program is starting to turn to that again, to where, you know, you're producing these kinds of players. Um, we, we, we've seen, obviously Oklahoma hasn't been lacking on the offensive side of the ball with that, what they've been producing there. But, um, you know, we we're, we're accustomed over time when you take the long range, uh, perspective and look back over the years uh, that Oklahoma has has you know traditionally produced elite defensive players and specifically up front as well and so yeah I think that's something that Oklahoma fans are certainly uh, looking towards and so I think within the next couple of years you would like to see that transition take place. I don't want to necessarily spoil all of the fun for our softball lovers out there but you know maybe a quick tease joey has put together his uh, is this your second or third softball bracketology this is issue number three we've okay. done it three times now. okay number three so a couple of days old it's from this week april 26th without spoiling again every piece of the puzzle in your latest ncaa softball bracketology for our softball lovers out there which there are many what are some of the highlights of this latest edition of your bracketology? Man, it, you know, it's interesting. There, there's so many different things that are <laughs> that are interesting to watch here. But the UCLA and Arizona State, who's going to win the Pac-12 has been interesting because, uh, you know, Stanford shut them out a couple of times. And then now uh, Stanford also took two out of three from Arizona State. So, uh, they they were, you know, while I'm juggling back and forth, I have UCLA predicted to uh, to win the Pac-12 um, still. But 
Stanford was on the bubble, and now they are not on the bubble after those. And so that's kind of an interesting dynamic to follow. And then um, it, I've really realized with this, it, it's funny because, you know, we're all so quick to complain about uh, the NCAA basketball tournament and uh, teams getting left out and uh, obviously with Oklahoma this year, uh, what happened. But you get to that bottom line, and the teams are really, really comparable. I mean, there there are so many. You know, you look at Western Kentucky and Charlotte and Louisville, and you look at them, and the RPIs are really close. And um, it's it's just really hard to differentiate between these teams when you get to that point. So uh, the the bubble's really interesting, and uh, there there's also been um, some. Uh, switch um, in my top 16 as well. Arkansas is a team that's looked really good. Oklahoma State, of course, swept Texas. And um, Alabama losing that two out of three to Texas A&M drops to number seven. So uh, there's been some fluctuation there. And so we'll, we'll see. This next few weeks should be really, really interesting. Go check it out, people. OUinsider.com. Joey Helmer over there for 24-7 Sports, where you can – Look at all of the bracketology that Big Bubba has put together. Hey, safe travels, obviously, out to Tulsa. Enjoy the caravan, and it'll be fun recapping what has happened in the NFL draft next week. Yes, it will be. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Joe. You can uh, follow him on Twitter, by the way, as well, at Joey Helmer 247 He and Parker and Brandon Drum, the whole crew over there, They got you covered on just about anything you could want in terms of Oklahoma athletics. All the way to softball bracketology. Are you kidding me? And then, uh, obviously, recruiting and anything going on with the spring game reaction. They've got that there as well. All right. Take a timeout of first timeout of hour number three, which is brought to us by Rooftech of Oklahoma. My man, TJ Perry, sliding in and the rest of the way. We've got some NFL draft discussion to take place. There is a visitor from Michigan State for basketball that's coming into Oklahoma. We can discuss that, kick that around. Anything you want to dive into, Air Comfort Solutions text line, all yours the rest of the way, 405-651-3439. Josh Elmer with you. It's the Plank Show back on the ref right after this. Hour number three of the Plank Show, powering on Josh Elmer alongside TJ Perry, alongside all of you. Hit us up, Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. Or you can dial us up and we can chat directly on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line 405-329-9000. The question that I'm about to ask TJ, I want to hear from everybody else out there on how how geeked up about the NFL draft do you get how much do you enjoy it and in a year where on a night like tonight it doesn't really look like an Oklahoma Sooner is going to be a first round draft pick does that take some of the fun away from you or are you one of the NFL fans that you're so so interested in what your team's going to do what the the future looks like for your franchise that it doesn't matter for you that maybe there's not any sooner flavor in this first round. TJ, where do you stand on that? How how fired up do you get 
for the draft? How much are you looking forward to tonight? I get much more fired up for a situation where, you know, OU potentially has the number one quarterback overall, a couple of guys going in the first round. I like to play the mind game with myself over my Cowboys of I never trust them or trust them on draft night. Indeed. Things can go well with like a Micah Parsons or something. They hit a home run. Uh, but I just see tragedy every year. I'm like, well, this isn't going to work out however way. That's always how I approach the Dallas Cowboys draft. Like, how are they going to screw up things tonight? So years that OU is more involved in the first round, I'm a lot more fired up than, say, tonight. Um, or even years where there's a lot of drama with, like, two or three quarterbacks, and you're not sure who the quarterback's going to be that ends up slipping. Or You don't really have that this year. So, um, you know. As excited as I can be for those situations to not, you know, be pl- playing out that way. Without Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray toward right, the top right. of the board. Or C.D. Lamb, you know, right, not, right. not too long ago either where you're kind of wondering where he's going to wind up. Perry on Winfrey, I said last segment, and this might be generous, 10% chance tonight that somebody just really fell in love, you know, throughout the senior bowl buildup. I think probably he's a second-round pick. I think he's the only guy for Oklahoma that has a chance to come off the board tonight. Yeah, uh, maybe someone takes a chance on him. you got somebody that moves up that he really impressed, but I, I would expect him to be you know, tomorrow. But uh, hope for him. Yeah, that oh, it'd be huge for him. The end of the night, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would say even in years where Kansas City has a top-five pick, there's only so fired up for the draft I can really get. <laughs> right. I mean, right. the move up to get Patrick Mahomes, obviously, in retrospect, and at the time, was very exciting because Kansas City, historically, I think Todd Blackledge was the last first-round quarterback they had drafted before Patrick Mahomes. So that that was very exciting I, as a Chiefs fan. And I think a lot of fans are just that way. If it's the year that their, their team is either going to move up or is already there, and there are some big-time quarterbacks sitting there that you know can change the direction of your franchise. I think that's when most fans get really fired up. Like, this is the, the, you know, the hope for a new day is coming, and this is the night that we're doing it. But if you're you're one of those that, ah, we may take an offensive lineman here or, you know, tackle, you know, whatever it may be, I'm not getting as fired up as if that game-changing Patrick Mahomes is sitting there that you've got that hope in. It may not pan out. You may have the bust, but that hope's always there with that with that type of pick of a quarterback. See, and the Chiefs have 29-30 and 30 tonight. Yeah. And, of course, I'm curious, what are they going to do? Who are they going to draft? Are they going to move up? But in terms of my level of excitement for it, I'll watch all of it. I'll enjoy the coverage. Maybe not, you know, ad nauseum the Kuyper and McShay element to it. Right. But – you know, for me, I like to watch games. I like NFL Sunday. The draft is cool, but I've just never been somebody that's a total NFL draft yeah, I, dork. Same with you, same with you. You know, Sundays I'll get fired up for a game and look ahead to the schedule and see, you know, who lays out where, especially the Cowboys in that annual Thanksgiving game, who we got this year, uh, situations like that. But I'm the same way with the draft. So with that in mind... You know, in years past, Aaron Rodgers famously comes to mind the way that, that he dropped down the board in the first round. Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe, could be that guy. I know that one Perhaps, of yeah. I know that one of Plank's guarantees was that Kayvon Thibodeau's not sliding outside of the top five. And, and look, he could very well be right. There's other people that kind of feel like he is slipping down the board. There's a lot of people that have him now 
10 to 15, kind of slipping down in that area. I think the Seahawks, I think, have 10. I think that's right. I've seen some people mock, have a mock put him there, so we'll see. From a theater standpoint, I think that would be right. interesting to watch unfold to have all of the quarterbacks, which I don't think this is how it's going to play out. I've watched enough NFL drafts to pretty strongly believe that somewhere maybe earlier than you think, whether it's Kenny Pickett or if it's Desmond Ritter or if it's Malik Willis, one of these quarterbacks is going a lot higher than people think because quarterback is the most important position in football, and it's the most important position in the National Football League. You can make an argument for me about edge or offensive tackle and their importance to a football team, but, I mean, come on. Quarterback's always going to be the most important, and somebody is privately going to have fallen fallen in love with either a Pickett, either a Ritter, or either a Malik Willis, and one of those guys is, I think, getting drafted in the top ten. Now, there's some people that feel like they might there might not be a run on quarterbacks until after that, which would be very unique for an NFL draft. There's not a lot of years where quarterbacks get drafted that late in the first round. And it would be fun to watch if that's what's happening and they've got that green room over there and it's, uh, you know, got the eyes, the the camera that eyes. That will be fun, yeah. If you've got quarterbacks slipping and they're slipping later uh, past that top ten and you start seeing teams moving and kind of uh, repositioning themselves and making trades, that, that could get interesting. Here I'm right. rooting for tragedy and peril <laughs> in the first round. Right. I just need to be entertained, people. That's all. All right, let's hit up the phone lines. Benny's hanging on on the law offices of Rod Polson, yeah, Oklahoma Tax morning. Resolution Line. Benny, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, two, three questions for you. Softball still four and six tomorrow? Uh, let's let's take a peek, That's and I can I'm find out for the you. paper here, but uh, looked like four and six and one at Saturday. That's what I just read a while ago in the paper. You give me a second, and I'll find out for you. All what right. else you got? Okay, and the Big 12 softball, it's going to boil down to OU-OSU. I know it's it's OU, kind OU of exciting. Oh, you at least need to win two out of three, and they'll be, they'll be the Big Twelve champs. Now the third one is baseball. Time clock. I was reading an article that uh, the miners are going through with this time clock. Eighteen seconds for if there's uh, nobody on base. Fourteen seconds if there's somebody on base. The hitter's got five to nine seconds. He better be ready. And they had a few other things on there. I just don't understand why they want it well to save time. But I guess the minor leaguers are getting used to that time clock. Yeah, TJ, you probably have a stronger opinion on all of that maybe than than I do. I think, you know, to me, I'm kind of and you know, this is riding the fence or whatever and not having a strong opinion. I'm kind of cool either way. You know, to me, I get wanting to speed the game up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But I also appreciate the, hey, it, it's baseball, and at times part of the art of pitching is maybe taking a little bit longer in between pitches. There's a dance to it on both sides, you know, with the hitter mm-hmm. and the pitcher. The hitter's trying to get the pitcher out of rhythm, vice versa. You, you kind of got your – if you're a pitcher, you definitely have a routine that you have that you may have had, you know, since you were 13, 14 years old and you realize – that you had that type of ability that maybe there's a, a chance here I get to that level of baseball that you kind of have that same rhythm and routine that all of a sudden now it's kind of throwing you off. Like, for me, like speeding a pitcher up by like six seconds, I realize there's a hundred something pitches again, you know, that, that, that takes time off, but I just don't see how that 
all of a sudden draws people in to like, man, I can't wait to watch the game tonight because the pitcher is going to throw the ball, you know, eight seconds sooner than he would have before. It, it, that That's just not what's going to draw them in. And the idea that, you know, I'm just thinking highest stakes if we get to that point, the idea that a World Series game could potentially get decided or an NLCS or an ALCS because a pitcher took too long in between pitches yeah, and all of a sudden it's a free pass. to take a breath or whatever and it's a free – yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like just, the idea of a postseason outcome potentially being altered with a, with a walk or a free pass that totally changes things. I mean, I'm not crazy about that part of it at all. Or the other thing on that could be the batter. If he's not there in time, it's going to be a call to strike. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, if the the batter's part of that, I'm all right if they're just sitting there uh, redoing their elbow pad a hundred times <laughs> to get in there. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's <laughs> but again, and, they've got a they've got, they're in a situation too where they're just trying to throw the pitcher off of his timing. So exactly, it's yeah. a dance, you know. And and do do they just have it like uh, if the runner's on base, they just can toss over there maybe two three times and that's it. I, I think I read something, but a, a memory don't. Fail me on that one, but I think they just couldn't talk. I think it was three, but I can't three. remember for mm-hmm. sure. That's yeah. what I thought, too. Well, I, I, I see what you all are saying. I can see the same thing. That'll speed up the game, but gosh, the pitchers, I mean, <laughs> it, uh, I, and I noticed where the MLB are, are uh, going to let the, uh, the rosters be 28 until the 30th of May. They extended that for a month. Yeah. Everything I'm seeing for OU softball is still Friday at 6, Saturday at 2, Sunday at noon. Well, what I'd read today, I don't know if it was in the Daily or the Talks, I had 4 and 6 and 1. But, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, when Plank comes on tomorrow, we'll find out for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's changed. Yeah, I think it's Friday 6, Saturday 2, and Sunday noon. Unless now, okay. now okay. be on the lookout because there could be a swap for a doubleheader somewhere. They're talking thunderstorms. Maybe a doubleheader on Saturday. I yeah. thought. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something I haven't seen that they're yeah. looking ahead of yeah. the weather. Yeah. But as of right now, I'm not. I'm not seeing anything newsy mm-hmm. that they've changed the, yet. The Kansas City game's been canceled already today. I know. What a disappointment. Exactly. Hey guys, I really appreciate it, and uh, have a good uh, good weekend and Boomer sooner, guys. All right, buddy. You too. Hey, uh, thanks, CJ. Josh. Bye. There yeah. you have it. Last last update we got from OU about the cancellation. Still lists them at you know what we have listed here on the schedule. So six two and one uh, noon. Yeah, so, yeah. But you know what? If something changes, we will let you know. Kyler Murray, an option. It has been exercised. Let's discuss next right here. It's the Plank Show. Josh Elmer and TJ Perry hanging out with you on the ref. Winding down here on the Plank Show. A couple more segments. Still time for you to chime in if you want to. Might take a peek at the Air Comfort Solutions text line here. This segment, 405-651-3439. Let me tell you real quick, though. This hour of the Plank Show, it's brought to us by Roof Tech of Oklahoma. Give Josh Tucker and the crew a call for all of your roofing needs, 405 405- 703-4245, locally owned and operated for 30 years, and they guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. Real real quick, real quick before we hop to the text line, the Arizona Cardinals have picked up Kyler Murray's fifth-year option. He's now under contract through 2023. I thought 
the Arizona Cardinals were about ready to deal away Kyler Murray. I thought the, the era was over. I was led to believe that this was a marriage, he gone. An, an unholy arrangement here. Well, he scrubbed his Instagram, uh, Josh. This relationship was done. Am I led to believe still that Kyler Murray's not going to play until he gets his long-term deal? Uh, his agent may want you to believe that at times, but no, that's not. I don't think that's going to happen. Pick a, uh, Pull up that text where this guy's insulting me here. Which one is it? The one right above that. Oh, <laughs> let's see here. Oh, that, that's a shot at me. Uh, Toby's been blaming me for everything, so uh, you being on is my fault. <laughs> Reasonable. <laughs> yes. All right, you're forgiven. It's all good. NFL <laughs> it draft. Is my fault. I love seeing the stories of lives changed. Yeah, that part's that part's great. I think you know what turns me off a little bit about the draft is just the amount of time in between picks. You know. Plank said earlier this morning he can't wait until officially we hear that dun 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 the Jaguars are on the clock <laughs> and I didn't get the chance to retort to him yep and then 35 minutes later we'll get the pick that's exactly right hey is this one of the last drafts we see though where guys up at the top like that's lives are changed it's obviously changing a much bigger scale but a lot of these guys, their lives are going to change the second they walk onto a college campus now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I- I've talked a lot about it, you know, over the course of this week. The Nigel Pack news, I mean, I can't get over that. $800,000 right. that Nigel Pack's getting in. I mean, come on. Nigel Pack is a really, really good college basketball player. Was fantastic at Kansas State. But Nigel Pack is not Blake Griffin. Nigel Pack, I mean, he's not not Buddy Heald, I don't think. And that that guy's going to be able to command $800,000, which, hey, you know, more power to him. Just the changing of the guard, it's here. And I, I think about what's going on with Oklahoma. And as important as name, image, and likeness and collectives are for football, because they are important, you have to be able to match not for everybody, but for some of these guys, you got to be within the ballpark to continue to attract the four- and five-star talent Absolutely. that Oklahoma needs to doubt. get to win national championships and, and to match A&M and Georgia and Bama and Ohio State and whoever else you want to toss into that group. Man, I'm starting to think that the collectives and NIL, if you want Oklahoma men's basketball to win big, it might be more important for men's basketball. Less players, you just get left further behind uh, based on what you're saying. So, no, I agree. But, yeah, that the guy that this is his enjoyment out of the draft, that's, that's my point. This, the guys that are on night one have already had their lives changed at this point now going forward. You're going to have guys that in their collegiate time, if they're a top five, especially a quarterback, he's going to have pulled in well over seven figures over the course of his career. I mean, and that may be each year pulling in over seven figures, the three years he's out of school. So I, I don't know if we see the life-changing stories the way we did before. Life-changing in the fact that, okay, yeah, I only made uh, $2.6 million in college. Now I'm going to sign for a bonus of, you know, $25 million or whatever it is. But dude's already a millionaire at that point. Somebody is texting in and asking about the – so Michigan State transfer forward – Julius Marble 
is set to visit Oklahoma next week. And this is from Endless Motor Sports, which I'm guessing is from Detroit. They write, the six foot nine big is one of the best available transfers coming off a junior season in which he displayed lots of skill as a back-to-the-basket scorer with a nice jumper out to 18 feet. So Julius Marble's stats, you're certainly going to be wondering about that. He averaged, averaged 6.4 points per game, 3.3 rebounds per game, but uh, those numbers came, TJ, in just 14.4 minutes per game. So, you know, looking at what is going on at Oklahoma right now with Mo Gibson out, with Elijah Harkless out, obviously those are guards and Marble is a big. But you start thinking about pairing Marble with Tanner Groves and with Jacob Groves. I mean, this guy, he's going to be expected. You know, OU, they've got guards coming in too. Otega Uwe is a shooting guard, sort of a swing-type guard. And Milos Uzen's a point guard. They need a big. They they got to have a big, and Julius Marble is that. And so the 14 minutes per game that he was averaging at Michigan State, I'm just looking at it. I mean, he's going to be close to like 30 a game, right, at OU? Right. <laughs> I mean, they need a big they guy. They need a big guy. So, yeah. And, and someone if he else, comes here, I mean, obviously. Someone else asking about Mo, they just kind of caught that. Like, yeah, he's, he's entered the transfer portal, which is upsetting. But, yeah, Mo's, Mo's entered the portal. It's It's a – you know, we were worried about maybe the overseas deal, but for Harkless and Gibson both to enter the portal, it's, I mean, obviously the big time losses for OU, you know, there's multiple ways you could look at it. I, I kind of worry about Oklahoma turning into this program where every single year you're constantly trying to bring in these, these players from the portal. You got Godwin. I mean, obviously, Marble is a target. That's not, you know, someone that's definitely uh, coming to Oklahoma yet. I'm blanking on who the uh, the Bamisil right from George Washington's coming to OU. Oh, that's right. So you know, I, I think that's what you're looking at in most programs across the country. I think this is what basketball is at every level now. Like you're going to be dealing with it. Toby and I mentioned it this morning. And I mentioned it, the transfer portal. Portal is going to be become more important in basketball than your actual recruiting, I think, out of high school. For a lot of programs. For a lot of programs. You're just going to constantly be shifting year after year after year because even if you get these top guys uh, out of high school, if one little thing goes wrong or one disagreement or they don't like the way they're being used, they're up and gone. And it's just going to be a constant revolving door in basketball, I think. And you know what? For the haves, it's going to be great. For those that can work out name, image, and likeness and make it attractive, hey, why don't you go play at Kansas State for a season? We'll just go ahead and pick you up right after that. I mean, you, you don't have to worry about recruiting as much you're if you're a big those program. programs to get experience for your guys that you know you're going to go and get a year later. Well, and yeah. it takes a little bit of the risk out of the recruitment process. Yes. You see somebody play well at a Power 5 level, you're like, all right, here we go. So, All right, one final timeout. We'll come back, wrap up the Plank Show next with your thoughts again from the text line. Back one final time. It is the Plank Show right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Hour three brought to us by Roof Tech of Oklahoma. Josh Elmer, TJ Perry. Well, you know, I'd like to believe that every pairing on this here radio station is an all-star duo. But dang it, if it's not me and Plank, Josh and TJ is an all-star duo 
as well. Hall of Fame. Forget All-Star. <laughs> yes. Multi-time. Hall of Fame. <laughs> Air Comfort Solutions text line. Some tidying up before we get out of here. 405-651-3439. College sports will be going away soon, thanks to NIL. Yeah, I mean, the amateurism element of it is it's gone. It's If it's not professional sports, it's semi-pro at this point. Certainly for football and men's basketball. And I think, you know, for a lot of the top athletes in other sports, Caitlin Clark, somebody like her at Iowa, she's going to make a ton of coin outside of, uh, obviously, the basketball court. Jocelyn Allo, we see what's going on with her. I mean, I just think that's going to get better and better for stars like that. Tanner wasn't quite tough enough inside. Yeah, I mean, up and down at times for Tanner Groves. Somebody like this Michigan State transfer marble I think would help him out a ton TJ, to where he can be a little bit more of a roamer and, and step outside and not have to bang around inside as much, I think would, would help his game a lot. I think we saw that with Brady Manick at North Carolina. I was about to say that same exact thing. Yeah, but you saw that with Brady, absolutely. Are you guys done? Don't gelling with Porter? <laughs> what does that mean? I think it autocorrect got him. I think it says, are guys not gelling with Porter? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah, probably those two guys thought that they, you know, had a better situation elsewhere. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious and clear to say. Even though Mo Gibson had his best season with Porter Moser. So. And just an absolutely fantastic finish over the last three or four weeks of the year. I think Mo Gibson is going to be similar to Nigel Pack. I'm waiting to find out his destination. I think this is name, image, and likeness driven him leaving Oklahoma. That's I don't have that on any sort of authority. There's no sourcing to that. That's just me taking a, a wild guess right here this morning. So I, that's, that's what I think is going on, but we'll see. Yeah, Toby thought some of it, too, is that he wants to run point full-time and he wasn't going to do that here. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Make himself but, more attractive. But I think it may have to do with NL money, NIL money and stuff because I don't know what he is at the next level. I think Mo Gibson is a, uh, you know, go over to Europe, be a great player over there, and make lots of money. So I think this is what you're saying. Go somewhere right now, make some NIL cash, and then make that jump over yeah. overseas. Hey, that's it for us. we got to get out of the way for Steelman and Thune at noon. For TJ, thank you for stopping in for the final hour. I'm Josh for Plank. Later, everybody. Enjoy the draft.